You're listening to episode number 32 of the Brain BS podcast called Emotional Adulthood. Welcome to the Brain BS podcast, where you will learn how to recognize when the BS detector in your brain is sounding off and how to use that knowledge to get what you want out of life. Now, here is your host, certified life coach from the Life Coach School and podcast newbie extraordinaire, Maureen Kafkas from MK Coach LLC. Welcome back to the Brain BS Podcast. So, before we get started with the topic of the day, which is emotional adulthood and a really important topic, so I don't want to take too much time for the brain BS that's coming up. I just wanted to share it though, because we just did a podcast on how our furry friends aren't meant to be with us forever. And all the things that come into play when something happens with your dog and they get sick. And when I was on vacation, Ginger got sick. She got an anal gland fistula. And I don't really understand a whole lot about it because it was a new veterinarian that took care of her that I didn't know because I'm in the process of leaving one place because the vet they went to for the last five years moved to the city and it's too far away. But the new appointment for that they have isn't until August 10th. So I had to juggle all that. I might have mentioned that in the last podcast. But then when I got back, it didn't seem like Ginger was doing very well. And I was worried about her. And then I started to get a little bit of brain BS. Kind of. It was So I wasn't sure that she was going to the bathroom. And I was worried with it being, you know, a problem with her gland that that could be impacting that. And then I started to get all these ideas if she could be sicker because she did throw up and she was kind of nauseating. She definitely was not herself. I should also point out that I watched her try to go to the bathroom on at least three occasions and she wasn't able to and she looked like she was really straining. So I was worried that she was impacted and something bad was going on. So yesterday I called the emergency place and they said it was a three hour wait just to be seen and that I could drop her off. But I was like, oh my God, if I drop her off, it is going to stress her out. So I didn't know what to do. So I went in and I meditated because usually when I get still, that's when I come up with a solution and I get into a place where I'm kind of calm, centered and grounded. So I decided when I came out here, um, into the living room after I did it if she wanted a treat because she wouldn't eat her Cheerios the night before, which is a sure red flag that something's wrong. But if she would eat the treat, then I then I was going to think that she might be okay. And she ate the treat. And then I looked in the yard and I kind of problem solved, but it's hard when you have two dogs of who belongs to what. Um, but I didn't take her And I'm so glad I didn't because she ended up doing fine by the end of the day. She ate dinner and she's perfectly fine. But I bring it up because my brain BS could have had that poor dog at the ER sitting there for hours for no reason at all. So I get you. I get you, you people who love your dogs and want to do the best for them. We don't want to mess up, but we don't want to make it overkill either. So, okay. So that's it for today. That's the brain BS. Now we're moving on to the topic of emotional adulthood. We're going to explore this concept that was, um, the phrase was coined by Brooke Castillo. And the idea is as humans, we want to blame everybody else for how we're feeling, but that's actual brain BS. So I'm going to explain how we feel is never anybody else's fault. I'll also share examples of how I was able to take myself from total victim mode to feeling powerful by adopting these principles, and I will argue the case 
that taking responsibility for our own emotional health is critical for living a deliberate life with peace and joy. Okay, let's first start with what I mean by emotional adulthood and how we were actually raised in a way that didn't serve us. When we were little, we were taught that other people could hurt our feelings. For example, we might come home from school crying because little Jimmy called us a name or said something mean and our parents would get really upset because they saw us so upset. Sometimes they would get upset enough to call the parent of the child who said something or even the school if the parent wasn't handling the situation the way they thought they should. They would complain that little Jimmy should be nicer and should not be making kids feel bad. Essentially, we were taught that other people have more control over the way we feel than we do. We learned that the way to feel better in life is by trying to control what other people say and do instead of focusing on how we respond to them and manage our minds. This is in direct contrast to what emotional adulthood is all about. Emotional adulthood stems from the belief that thoughts create feelings, those lead to actions, and that's what gives us our results. So if that's true, the only way we can feel anything is because of what we're thinking. This explains why sometimes people can say something we perceive to be really mean or critical, but we can just roll our eyes and don't buy into it at all. The reason for that is because circumstances do not cause us to feel anything. It's always what we're thinking about the circumstance that triggers the emotion. In this case, the circumstance is what the person says to us. The thought in this case might be something like, they do not know what they're talking about, or maybe we just think they are totally clueless. So then this just triggers a feeling of certainty and leads to the action of just rolling our eyes and not believing a single thing the person says. Now the result would be that our emotional state is not impacted by the other individual and we still maintain our peace of mind because we didn't really listen to them. On the other hand, a different person might hear the same words and be in the same situation and have a totally different thought that would lead to different results. For example, they might actually kind of believe what the person said about them and the thought might be like, oh my gosh, what are, what if what they're saying is true? This might inspire the emotion of fear or doubt and lead to obsessive worry of what everybody else might be thinking about them. So the result would be totally different and our new emotional state would be impacted in a negative way. So these are two different scenarios, and they illustrate how the same circumstance can impact people differently depending on the way they are thinking. We can either choose to be at the mercy of what other people say and do, or we can manage our minds to keep us in an emotional state that actually works for us. So you're probably wondering, well, how do we do that? Well, begins with increasing our self-awareness and becoming more insightful regarding our habitual brain habits and the patterns that we go into when we're in default mode. This will give us really valuable information about our brain when it just does things automatically and subconsciously um, because that's what's giving us our results and we we don't understand that. So for example, if we unknowingly but frequently think, that somebody is out to get us and we are being taken advantage of, we will most likely experience anger or resentment on a consistent basis. Or if we tend to believe that the world is out to get us and we are victims of the times, this may make us feel powerless and even hopeless. 
Another common theme that is really prevalent among humans is the thought of not being enough. It's this is not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Nothing's good enough. It usually goes hand in hand also with thoughts that everything should be better than it actually is. So people who have these thought patterns struggle to ever be happy. They spend a great deal of time feeling inadequate, insufficient, and unworthy. Whatever our brain habits and patterns may be, it's critical to be aware of them first in automatic mode if we want to then purposely create different results in our life and change them. So after we come, become more self-aware, then it's time to actively manage our minds. This means that we decide if our current thoughts are serving us and if we want to keep them. Yep, that's right. Our thoughts are optional, and even if we believe them 100%, they still might not be useful for us to hold on to them. We can choose different thoughts that will trigger different feelings and inspire actions to give us a different result. For example... Instead of focusing on increasing crime and violence in our country, we might decide to focus on the belief that our fellow humans are overall good. This can lead to a feeling of peace of mind and satisfaction with life on a regular basis. Another example might be to change the thought that everything is happening to us to everything is happening for us. If you recall, I did an episode on this, and this can really be life-changing when you look at things that way. This gets us out of victim mode and triggers curiosity about how to reframe the situation in a way that could be helpful to us. Regardless of the thoughts we choose, emotional adulthood maintains it is always up to us to determine how we want to feel. We can experience life in our emotions in default mode, or we can do it deliberately by managing our mind and choosing our thoughts on purpose, which sounds so much more empowering. Now that we have a better understanding of emotional adulthood, I want to share a few personal stories with you about how taking responsibility for our emotions is the quickest way and most effective way to reclaim our personal power. Before I joined the Life Coach School to get certified as a life coach over a year and a half ago, my default mode brain habit pattern at that time was pretty much I felt fat, old, insignificant, and I was pretty sure the best years of my life were behind me. I truly felt invisible at times, and at other times I wished I was. I actually kind of feel like it's like you return to being an adolescent. It's kind of crazy, but I think that's what happens. I couldn't stand the age-related changes that my body was offering me. I constantly questioned everything about myself, thought I was always doing something wrong, always thought people were thinking negatively of me, and I hated to look in the mirror. And just being dwelling in all that negativity was just absolutely exhausting. Now, yes, my weight was up from where it was five years before by about 10 pounds. I was five years older. Cellulite was visible on my thighs and gravity was taking a toll on my skin. And it was sagging in a way it never did before. Because I was so judgmental of my appearance and everything else about myself, I really did not think I could ever be happy again like I was when I was younger. The theme of not good enough was literally capital letters everywhere in my life and caused me so much suffering. Well, true to form, it's usually our darkest days that finally lead us to the light. And this is no exception, this story. Because I was so desperately unhappy, I was inspired to pick up Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, which introduced the concept of the ego to me. 
This is my first introduction to the idea of living consciously and that we are not our thoughts. We are just the observer of them and most of our thoughts aren't even true. I was like, what? I could not believe we were not our thoughts. I literally wept in relief because I had been so mean to myself. And I think it kind of broke my heart that I treated myself that way. Well, that marked the beginning of a domino effect that led me to getting certified as a life coach and becoming a blogger, amongst other things. Now, when I look in the mirror, I do it with love because I know everything's happening exactly as planned. I know aging is a totally normal progression, and I'm lucky to be alive long enough to see it happen. Once I chose compassion and love for myself instead of disgust and judgment, I lost those extra 10 pounds. The cellulite and sagging skin are still there, but instead of hiding them and wishing desperately that they weren't there, I talk about them all the time. I recorded a podcast episode about them and all the other age-related changes, to empower other women to accept their new normal without shame or judgment. It is total brain BS that we think aging bodies is something bad. I let go of the thought that the best years were behind me based solely on appearances and superficial criteria. When did I become so shallow? I created a much more meaningful way to measure myself and live my life moving forward. I absolutely love my life now in a way I never did before, and I know a thousand percent that the best years of my life are still ahead of me. I transform my experience in life, not by changing anything or anybody around me, but by letting go of the thought patterns that weren't serving me, especially the one of not being enough. Instead, I started to focus on what was enough and how I could make it even better. I took responsibility for how I was feeling and no longer blamed my suffering on the circumstance of aging. I reclaimed my personal power when I adhered to the principles of emotional adulthood. Okay, let me give you an even more recent example of how choosing emotional adulthood permitted me to reclaim my personal power and reduce my suffering. So in the past, family time has triggered a lot of anxiety in me and the immediate thoughts that would come up were... I just need to get through it. I just need to go with the flow. I just have to do what everybody else wants me to do. I'm sure that being number nine out of 10 in my family of origin and thinking nobody cared what I wanted or thought had something to do with it as well. In terms of my immediate family now, being a stepmom sort of permitted me to bring that same faulty thought error with me to my new family. So to be clear though, My anxiety had nothing to do with lack of love or even enjoyment of my family. It was more about feeling like I could not be authentic in the family setting or comfortable. The truth of the matter was I was addicted to people pleasing and worried incessantly how everybody would get along and how uncomfortable it would be if they didn't. I was pretty much a big phony and had a lot of resentment about having to do things I didn't want to do. And I'm not going to lie. I had a certain amount of dread about being with family on a regular basis because I allowed myself to stay in my brain default mode for decades. Because I had so much fun with my family, though, I never understood why it was like that. However, there's no denying it was always there. I guess you could say I kind of felt like I lost myself somehow when I got together with my family. So flash forward 
to evolving and stepping into an emotional maturity. And I just finished up my first family trip with my immediate family with no dread or worry beforehand for the very first time. Woohoo! I did this by taking complete and full responsibility for everything I felt leading up to the trip on it and afterwards. Instead of wishing that family was doing things differently, I didn't do that this time. I accepted them for who they were, and I did not make anybody's behavior a problem. If it felt like something was happening to me, I changed it to, nope, it's happening for me. If I didn't like the way a certain thing was going, or I was a little bored, I decided, nope, how do I make this perfect? Because this is the present moment, and I'm not rejecting it. Instead of thinking it should be different, I just fully accepted it like it was. If I felt like something was important to me, I spoke up and shared my point of view, even when it was uncomfortable at times. I also created boundaries and reinforced them, and I did it in a kind and loving way. Instead of trying to control everybody else, I literally focused on controlling myself in my mind. When I came up a bit short and could not quite buy into everything being good enough, and I, you know, was triggered a little bit, I knew the only problem was the way I was thinking. I didn't blame the way I was feeling on anybody or anyone else other than my brain. And because of that, I showed up in an authentic way to my family. And instead of losing myself, I found my inner being and it was so empowering. Now, next week, I will be taking that authentic self I finally found with my immediate family into a wedding weekend in Ohio where I'll be getting together with my family of origin for the first time since COVID. And I'm happy to report there's no dread whatsoever and I'm really looking forward to it. We are still the same family with the same personalities, but it no longer causes me stress or anxiety because I changed the way I was thinking. I became more self-aware and lost my default mode. I reprogrammed my mind and I changed the way I feel. I'm just excited to be with all of them. I say this casually, but this is actually a huge accomplishment. This is a benefit and beauty of emotional adulthood. If I did not get coaching or experience the personal growth I have in the last couple of years, I could have spent my whole life blaming various family members for everything I was feeling. And it would have made the suffering even worse. In fact, that's what the average human being does because they don't take responsibility for their own emotions. They blame everyone else for everything. So in conclusion, we must take responsibility for our own emotions. We have to unlearn what we learned in childhood and stop blaming other people for the way we feel. Whatever the situation may be, it is up to us to take responsibility for our emotions. Brooke Castillo refers to this as emotional adulthood. And it all begins with increasing our self-awareness regarding our brain habits and routines. Once we find prevalent themes and patterns, we actively manage our mind and decide which thoughts to keep and which ones we want to eliminate because they don't serve us. We purposely create the results we want in our lives and deliberately choose the way we want to feel. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to learn more about this concept? Hope you heard something valuable here today. See you next episode. If you like what you heard here today, I would like to ask you to subscribe to the Brain BS Podcast. Give me a review of five and share it with everybody you know. You can also go to my website, www.thebrainbs.com, and check out what I'm all about and how I can possibly help you. If you're ready, you can sign up for a free 60-minute consult or get to know me better in my free Facebook group called The Brain BS Group, where we dig deeper on all of these topics and you can ask me all the questions. Lastly, always remember, the only thing standing between you and the life you want is your brain BS.